Broadcasting live from Buffalo State College, here is The Blitz on 91.3 FM. Welcome to The Blitz on 91.3 FM, WBMY. I'm your host, Double D, joined by Joe Kelly and Tanner Saunders. How are we doing, fellas? So far, so good, I would say. I mean... I'm up, I'm alive, I'm breathing, so that's got to count for something, right? Yeah, I'm breathing heavy over here after my sushi extravaganza for lunch today. But um, <laughs> like your, your venture with chopsticks. Yeah, I can't use chopsticks. We've officially figured that out, so I just poke at it and pick it up and figure it out that way. But I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm doing all right. But, Dan, are we not saying the legal idea anymore? Are we just playing it? I, I, I mean, if they're playing it, I'm not going to say it. All right. I'm going to jump straight into things, man. Yeah, go ahead, buddy. But, you know, because I that happened, and now I got a, a couple extra seconds to work with. Oh, yeah. We're back. Sabres after dark. Tonight. <laughs> I, I got to put in the promos, guys. The Buffalo Blitz overtime. Exactly. Buffalo Blitz overtime. Sabres after dark. Sabres versus the Anaheim Ducks tonight. Going to be a big game. If anyone tuned in the other night, we just, I have to apologize at the loss of sanity by the end of the game against the Kings. We were, we were spiraling at that point. You should have seen us cleaning up equipment. It was something. We were just like laughing nonstop. It was just, it was not good. There there was no alcohol involved, but it seemed like there was, you know? It was like riding the high of the giggles before, like when you're staying up too late as as at a sleepover as a kid. Like that, that's pretty much what happened. Like. We got to a point where the Sabres were down 5-2. to two. They scored two, miraculously, right? Yeah. I mean, we didn't think that was even going to happen at one point. And, um, you went to, into a state of depression. I did. I, if you, you could go check out the, the stream again. We streamed it to my podcast, YouTube. We might make, I might make a Blitz YouTube later right, today yeah. to actually do that, too. Instead, you know what I mean? So right. it's not cross-contamination. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, I mean, if you watch that back, there's a moment where my soul leaves my body. And yeah. I think everyone's soul leaves their body. And uh, I had a plate of food in front of me and just lost my appetite, didn't finish <laughs> it. So, I mean, that's that's a thing in itself. For uh, the sure. Sabres game, the game made him physically ill. It was so bad. Yeah, I mean, just watching what they did against Calgary, though, earlier this week, and then that, if they do that against Anaheim tonight... Uh, oh, uh, you're gonna lose words. I'm. You're gonna, I'm lose, gonna lose more than words. My sanity's gonna be completely gone. He's gonna cry. Yeah. And you know, we mentioned it a, a, a bunch of a bunch of times on stream that uh, the TV was was good, but it was leaning a bit forward. We didn't have a screwdriver to screw the bottom. No. on, So we used our fingers, and then I used my car keys to twist it that little extra bit. We're not having that problem tonight. Nope. Thank Screwed God. Screwed him perfectly. Thanks, Greg. If you can hear us. Yeah. Uh, but. What did you got? Uh, I know we talked about it during the game, but you know now having a day or two to process it. I had to watch it again at work yesterday on mm-hmm. Sabers Encore uh, on MSG. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know if I'd call it an encore. I'd say more of a uh, let's Sabres watch this a... film and never do that again. But I, I mean, what are your main thoughts from that Kings game? Tanner, I'll let you start because I'm going to go off the rails. Oh, um, <laughs> I mean. Can't have that. Can't, especially uh, this this late in the year when you're pushing for a playoff spot. I mean, we had our, our chances. Like, that was a game that had the makings. I mean, we could have been up, you know, 
2-1 at one point. I mean, we had some opportunities early on, like Middlestat rang one off the post. Um, so we had some chances, but then just completely got out of hand. Craig Anderson, you know, blesses his, his old soul, but he did not have his best game out there. And it's not, I mean, he was facing some high-difficulty shots, but those on some of those, you just got to save some of the ones that he wasn't able to. So, yeah, you just put it in the rearview mirror. It happened. Not much you can do about it. I mean, that's just the way hockey goes sometimes. I mean, you know, we play them the first time. We shut them out 6 nothing. scored, what, six goals in a period unanswered. And then, you know, the next game you turn around and you get completely boat raced. That's just the way it goes sometimes. But, uh, you know, hopefully they can shake it off. You got an Anaheim team tonight that's not very good. So if there was ever a game to put these last two in the rearview mirror, it would be tonight against Anaheim. So hopefully they can uh, show out and get the bad taste of this game and the Calgary game out of their mouth. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. I, I'm a hopeless optimist at this point, <laughs> I would say. It's just, it's it's tough because I have such appreciation for this team, especially how far they've come over the past couple of years, right? We've seen the jumps. We've seen them take leaps in the right direction. And yet we're still sitting here and I'm dumbfounded. I'm going to be honest with you. And it's it's not at, they're great, right? They, they're good. I'm not going to say great after their last couple games, but they've proven that they're a team that can contend with their explosive offense. You know where they're having a lot of trouble that isn't being diagnosed? In transition, in the neutral zone. They cannot pass. They cannot hang onto the puck in the neutral zone. The amount of steals and takeaways by the other team in the neutral zone is absolutely unreal in these past couple of weeks. It looks like chickens running around with their heads cut off in neutral ice because it's just going after this puck that they can't seem to keep. And if they can't keep the puck in the neutral zone, because when they get to the offensive ice, when they're when they're going towards the net, they they pass. They like have some interesting plays that they do. Getting there, though, that's the problem they're having, and they need to work on that. And that's something I think a uh, uh, goalie might help in the sense, not like, of course, not like applying a goalie is going to make transition passing better, but having that safeguard in the back, not Craig Anderson, or like, you know, I was I said Craig Anderson doesn't play enough, so why is he even playing? But Eric Comrie plays even less, as we found out the other night, about the monthly goalie. So I think we just need – I mean, they were showing Devin Levi highlights on the TV the other night. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I think UPL and Devin Levi, that's going to be next year. That'll be a, a very – because it's all but confirmed that Devin Levi is going to be making an appearance here. Kevin Adams talks to him every day. Like, they're they're in constant communication. The only thing that hasn't happened yet is he says, I'm absolutely coming there. So I'm going to lean on the side of he'll be here next season, and him and UPL, that's going to change a lot. But we also don't have very good defensemen. I mean, Labushkin was out there the other night. I mean, it's just – and Clegg. Like, that's, I think, our transition issue is we have a good front three, right? Even the middle stat line with Jost, like, not even anymore. But that line, that was working for a while because the, the front three, right? The the offensive three, they they can play well. The Sabres have that depth figured out. There's no defensive depth. Nothing. After you pass Power, Darlene, and, you know, a couple others, it's just you got nothing. You're scraping the bottom of the barrel. And goalie and defenseman are the big need, I think, coming out. Because look at our prospect pool. 
all the guys we drafted are actually looking very good right now. Like they've taken steps in the right direction to become to move up into Rochester and then maybe make an NHL appearance because I'm I I think it's going to be exciting to see soon, but I don't know. It, it's just Sabres need transition and need defense and goalie. That's a big thing right now. You know, it's funny in past years Everybody was complaining. The Sabres don't have offense. The Sabres don't have a, a top six. We don't even, we barely even have a top three. And that was uh, Eichel, Reinhardt, and Skinner for that time being. And the second line was basically a bunch of nobodies that I don't even want to remember. Uh, but now it's like, oh, hey, we have this great offense, but horrible defense. And, you know, you go back to, I think, two years ago. Uh, Jake McCabe, Darlene, um, who who was a little bit younger, still learning, um, Yoki Haru. There there were still guys there where it was like, okay, we have too many defensemen, but because they're all good defensemen. And now you have that problem of, oh, hey, we have too many good offensemen uh, or offensive players, but not enough defenders. Yeah, it, it, it's crazy on how that switched up. It's like we could do one thing perfectly fine, but it's like the the rest of the team gets, I don't know, set aside. Because you look at the Sabres drafts, and they have been pushing forward for forwards. I mean, that yeah. that's always how it is. Centers, well, that's what we see that. Centers were taken, three centers were taken last year in the first round by the Sabres. Three centers. Okay, yes, they can play wing or they can move out. But now you're looking at you're looking at the prospects and you're you're looking back to Rochester. You're like, hey guys, uh, you got anything for me? It's it's like the mail. It's perfectly like mail. You you got the mail guy coming across your street, and he just drives straight past your house. That's exactly like how Rochester is to the Sabers. They're just driving past them. They got nothing for them. And you hear other teams who are shipping, you know, players because a lot of teams can ship, not a lot of teams can buy. Um, Jake McCabe is back on the market by the Chicago Blackhawks, and the Chicago Blackhawks want a first round pick for him. And I'm like, no way in their nobody in their right mind is paying a, a first round pick for a guy who's been on two sucky teams for the past I don't know, six, seven years. No, nobody's paying a first-round pick. Um, yeah. But it, it's just funny on, on how much it switched up. It's like one year, you know, we have a really good goal, goalie, Ryan Miller. Uh, but, you know, the offense wasn't as great with, like, a Drew Stafford, a Thomas Vanek. You know, they were still good for when they were in their prime, but they were nothing like nothing generational talent wise no, they're not blowing right. the same with yeah. the defense during that time it, it like they said the defense got to play high up because they knew they had miller in the back so you didn't really have to worry a lot about defending defenders uh now you have to worry about okay we have this great offense but we let in too many goals how how can we stop that and they still haven't figured out a way on how to stop it i mean if, if you're kevin adams you're you're looking at what you can buy, and you can buy a lot. You have a lot of cap space. You can buy players who are on the last deal, uh, last year of their contract with a different team, and sign them for a, a seven, eight year extension. That's a perfect possibility. 
It's just a question, can he do it, and can he do it for a good price that he feels is fit, that the other team feels like they're not getting uh, cheaped out for. I just don't love the idea of them going out and making a trade. Just because you have all that cap space doesn't mean we have to blow it all right now. I mean, you look at some of the guys that we're going to have to pay down the line, not saying that all these guys will get paid, but just guys you got to think about. You know, you got to think about Darlene. You got to think about Power. You got to think about, you know, Quinn and Paterka, even Lukanen if he ends up, which I think will be the case, ends up being one of our two long-term goaltenders. So, you know, we have a lot of cap space at the moment, but it's going to evaporate quickly. So, you know, just because we have th- this asset, these assets in this cap space doesn't mean that it all has to be blown right now. We're not going all in this season. You know, I, I was listening to our, our quote-unquote uh, rivals at WGR uh, one day when coming into school and Paul Hamilton was on and this very same question was uh, brought up. It was basically do they have enough cap for players in the future to get a player now? And Paul Hamilton basically stated that yes, you can have enough room to sign people in the future. It's just which are the players that may not fit your system for the way or future. You know, you might not be able to keep, like, a good fourth-line guy like a Kyle Pozo or a Zemgis Gergensen for a longer period of time that you would think you would like. You know, maybe some things would become weaker in the sense, but, you know, it, they have enough room to sign another guy for an eight-year, con- seven, eight-year contract for another, like, seven million a year. Paul Hamilton has basically said that uh, on WGR. And I think that's a good move for, um, you know, a good point to look at in the sense of what are teams around the Sabres doing? And you look at the Boston Bruins, and we all hate Boston. Um, we were just talking about that. We, Any we were Boston talking about that. The, team we the lounge, and we Buffalo. were like, oh, great Boston. You know, I've been there once. Well, I, I loved everything about Boston. Hey, I even you know loved what? the fans that I met there. It's a nice city. There's a lot of historical things there. Like Quincy Market is dope. But as far as sports are concerned, Boston is one of the armpits of America. Yeah, you had one guy save your entire football franchise for two decades. As soon as he's gone, you're poverty. That's right. all i got to say. <laughs> you know, I, right. I, there's no other way around. I know we're not getting into the football yet, but, I mean, you just got to right. say it. Yeah, you got to say it. Um, but there's rumors that Boston is trying to trade for Jacob Chickering, the 24-year-old defenseman from Arizona. And you're you're thinking, if this is your first time hearing about it, you're thinking, Boston needs another player? Boston needs somebody? I feel like that's what the Sabres have to look at. Maybe take some rumors. If, you know, rumors can be right or wrong, but most times they have a right idea placed. In your head. It's almost like if something comes out about Boston trying to go for a defender, it may not be that exact defender, but it could be a different one from a different team. Um, but you're thinking like, oh, Jacob Chickering, he's such a great defenseman for Arizona. And his ca- he, he's only going to get better, most likely. He's only 24 years old. The only Would issue... you rather overpay a little bit in a trade to stop Boston from getting another top-level talent with that top-level team, which has only lost eight regulation time games? 
Or would you like to keep dealing with them for another, quote-unquote, maybe five, six years because they were able to build, even after like people like pa Pasternak and Marchand have moved away from the team? That's really the question now. Do you want to be competitive and start taking, you know, you may have to overpay a little, but that's the price to take to start moving to the top. Because I can understand a move like right now that, okay, you're maybe not thinking you're going to get into the playoffs. I'm thinking I want to move for a future, for the future. And that's where like people like Timo Meyer come in, Chikorin, younger guys. Because you can sign them to long period deals. But you also have to beat out the rest of your competition in the East. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to keep going. But um, it, this is just going to be interesting. That's all I have to say. The next couple of years, the way this team develops. I mean, we talk about with the Bills, right? We've seen how the Chiefs, right? That's that's It's a copycat league. That's team what you to should, beat. Team to beat. That's what you should be looking to mimic, right? Because their big time money kicked in, and look at they won the Super Bowl this year, right? We should be in that same position if, and we're not because of a couple things, which I'll we'll get back into this in a little bit. But it's a copycat league. It's a copycat season. Look at what other teams are doing that are successful and have been successful, right? Mimic. Don't copy it one for one, right? Copycat league is a loose term. Just look to it for guidance. Okay, where do we go from here? Who do we look like? And then just kind of do that, right? We're on the up and up. Like, there's no question about it. I do, but I feel like we're on that point where we're like how the Flyers were a couple years, you know, when the Sabres started going to the drought, where they were at the edge. They were perfectly on the edge, fighting with the Capitals and the Penguins for that last wild card spot, but could never get in. Mm -hmm. And that's why I don't our, want to Our happen. division is just so competitive, though. You can't really get around it that. It is 100%. The most competitive, I would say. The, it is the most competitive you will ever see a would division that, in the history Tanner? of this league. Agree with. Uh, the division the being. The East is the most competitive division in the NHL. Yeah, it seems like it. I mean, the team like the Sabres on the outside looking in for playoff contention. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of, you look at the Bills, right? Certain ways that the AFC East could play out, that could be the most competitive. You know what I mean? The, look at the AFC West, right? That Let's go back to preseason. That was going to be the most competitive before Russell Wilson laid an egg, all right? Before he started <laughs> cooking. Yeah, before he cooked and burnt the house down, but... That's like what we're looking at here in real time, and it's troubling in a sense because you're right, Dan. If we could keep getting better, but those teams can too, and then it just gets more and more and more competitive, right? It's like, what is your price figure? And that's something that we haven't figured about, Kevin Abs. What is his value on certain things like a first-round pick, a second-round pick? You know, we, we've seen where he values certain players who have had trouble past and, you know, he tries to work them out. I mean, look at Andres Bjork. Look at Jost. You know, uh, a couple of guys who just got waved off the teams or traded here, um, you know, who haven't had great success and that they try to revamp, rebuild, and, you know, make them or try to make them a superstar. And one of that hasn't worked because Bjork sucks. He's stuck in Rochester for who knows how much longer. Uh, until his contract's up. And then, you know, luckily Jost has worked out. 
But yeah. you you got to wonder until I see this guy and where he values this team and where the picks, you know, how does he value players? How does he value um, the picks? Because the only trades I've seen him really make is, okay, Tyler, Taylor Hall needs to be traded because he has to be traded. So ship him off to Boston, uh, you know, the best team in the league and the best team in your division. Great job helping them out, Kevin. Great job. And I feel like, you know, some people don't remember that, that he's helped one of our biggest competitors because that is a forward they are going to have for probably six more years. Right, but I think one thing you can look at Kevin Adams and say right now, compared to the past GMs of the past decade, right? Let's just take a look at that. Oh, he's probably up there as one of the best. Exactly. I think that right now... and. I'll say the same thing about Brandon Bean, all right? Oh, he's one of the best in Bill's history. But his no shining doubt. star is Josh Allen, and now we're kind of seeing, like, okay, we need more than one shining star, right? Right. He had Tyson Jost this year, right? And that was like, okay, that was fantastic. We need more of that. You know? You, you understand what I'm saying, right? right? Yeah, yeah, no, like, I understand he's got shining you, stars. The, the, the star is kind of, like, burning out, and you're seeing what's around it. Exactly. You know? uh, it. And that can definitely happen to the Sabres, and that's Cage Thompson. You right, know. you're going to see he needs help it, it, on defense right, exactly. and in goal. Like, he can't do exactly. it all himself. You're not going to be able to replicate. Granted, we said that last season. We said last season could have been a fluke, and here he is outperforming. So, I right. don't know. It's just it, when you've got players like him on offense and you have more coming up, you sign Dylan Cousins. He's going to be fantastic for his career. You have Savoy coming up, who's actually looking up compared to where he was couple months ago you have the guys you drafted in the first round like they look good like like you're going to develop Don Granado developmental coach is going to have them ready to play in the NHL I have a good feeling about that we're not pushing past when they're championship caliber because that's where I have my questions with Granado but we'll have to get there first but when you look defensively it's the opposite of the Bills right when you compare the two teams right now what they need you have the Sabres who are well, actually, no, it's not. But you have the Sabres who have an all-star firecracker offense that's unpredictable and the, one of the fastest in the NHL, and that's what gives them the edge, right? But it's sloppy. You rely on chance a lot, right? He's in the right place at the right time, so we're going to roll with it, you know? Right. Where you don't have the defensive pieces or the goalie to really do that because then if a breakaway happens going the other way you've got nothing you got Craig Anderson in that exactly. and we saw that three times the other night you know what I mean like the you you don't have the pieces if you had the pieces and did that you'd be one of the best teams in hockey right you don't have the pieces to be doing that no so I think that's the main focus of this coming off season or now trade time you know what I mean mm-hmm. like that's that's where this is going to be big and people are saying Kevin Adams make a trade before before you can't you know but Looking at some of these trades, they're just stupid. You're giving away your talent, and I'm like, you don't give away any offensive pieces. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta hype Middlestad up, right? Like he's fantastic, right? Look at look at his last couple of weeks, right? You gotta hype him up a little bit, and then you're like, okay, we don't need just a bag of pucks for him, but we need someone else. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that kind of a thing. Like he was on the Terry was showing me the um, <laughs> Sabers the graphic the for graphic game. I'm never gonna. I'm he never... was on the graphic. Yeah. Yeah. For the West Coast, wow. Putting Middlestad up. Maybe they're just, maybe it's like Derek Carr at the Pro Bowl. But actually not because he <laughs> stunk at the end. But his skills competition looked good. But I don't know. 
it'll be truly interesting to see where Adams really like is like, okay, we're going to buckle down here and do something. But you're right, Dan, the price is the question because we don't really have the Sabres have a lot of money to play with, right? But at the same time, you don't want to waste that because you've got guys that you like right now on the offense that you're going to need to resign, right? Skinner is getting $9 million, right, right now. That's too expensive. We all know that. He's getting overpaid. I have a feeling the next contract workaround, he'll be worked down a little bit, or that'll be it, right? Mm-hmm. They, they can't. With Tage being the superstar he is, when you eventually have to resign him, you don't have time to be paying. And Jeff Skinner's older, right? He's not young Skinner. When we first got him, he was still in that category of young Skinner, I would say. But then he got Krugered. So yeah. it was like, it was just, it was, it, I feel bad in a sense because it's, it's just, it got wasted by a soccer coach, you know, at the end of the day. And I don't know. There's so many ways the team could go, but they're just not. I, I think you got to just wait it out this season. And if they make the playoffs, great. That's fantastic. That's not where I saw them. I remember talking preseason. I saw them maybe coming close to a wild card spot. You said Stanley Cup. I don't did. give me that. Listen, show, yes. I did say Stanley Cup, <laughs> but I had clarified after I said Stanley Cup that if they made the playoffs, I'd be happy. But if they didn't, I didn't really see them. It was a bit. Okay, mm-hmm. the Stanley Cup thing was a bit. Let's just be <laughs> honest. All right? I said it on my podcast, too, but then I clarified. I was like, it's not actually going to happen. Unless unless they just say, screw it and win it. Like That'd be fantastic. But they need defense, and they don't have that. I remember what my record prediction was for them, 38, 37, and 7. And right now, they're well ahead of schedule. So um, no matter how this season ends, I'm, I think I'm going to be pleased because I just wanted them to you know, show some improvement, and that's exactly what they've done. They're trending in the right direction as far as I'm concerned, even if we've had a, a couple hiccups here in these last couple games. Now, the lineups tonight has also been changed again. Uh, you know, that horrible Kings line. <laughs> that that horrible Kings lineup is not being brought back for another game. So Don Granado went back to square one and said, okay, we're putting Tage back with the other two. Tage is back with Skinner and Tuck. Why, we're going to keep what works. Okay, we're not, we're not going to change that up anymore. Uh, but the second line has changed again. We are not seeing Kyle Pozo on the second line anymore with his speedy old man self. It is now uh, centered by Dylan Cousins with John Jason Paterka and Victor Olsen. Hmm. So Olsen gets a little bump. Then on the third line, the third line is being centered by Peyton Krebs. And beside him are Casey Millstat and Jack Quinn. And then the fourth line that's expected tonight is Tyson Jost with Gergensen and Opozo. So that means Asplund is scratched uh, sense of Monday. And then Quinn is back in the lineup with Krebs and Middlestad. I mean, it's a little weird seeing Quinn not with the rest of the young guys. It's a little odd. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I feel like Olofsson deserves it because he is one of the top point scorers on the team. He he has 31 points on the se- season. Same with Millstat. Um, so I don't know if that's just trying to increase, you know, put the little spotlight on him and say, hey, he's looking pretty nice. 
It's like when you get uh, a steak and they put like, you know, they put a spotlight on it when it's coming to you and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe that. You know, um, I actually think these lines look a lot better than the Kings game. I mean, do you guys agree in the sense that they at least feel more comfortable to you? Instead of the Kings lineup where Kyle Pozo's up on the second line, then, uh, you know, Cousins is with Skinner and Tuck, and then Asplund is in somewhere, Quinn's out, and does it feel just a little bit more comfortable, like, comfortable feeling like, hey, I know what those guys can do, and only two of them have really switched spots. Or three, rather. Um... Yeah, I guess they're they're a little bit better than the lines against the Kings. I don't love Olafson on the second line. I love Olafson as a player. I just don't like him. I, I just like having all those the the three the kid line. I like the yeah, the, the kid line. Yeah. I mean, they had you know they had one stretch earlier in the season where they were really just buzzing, and you know they've kind of had or kind of been trending downward as of late. Haven't been as productive, but just. I think their skill sets complement each other well. Just they, they, I mean, they all can you know skate very well, extremely speedy, can create uh, a lot of chances. And not to say that Olafson can't. He's just a a pure shooter. So I just like having all those three guys on the ice at the same time, just being able to uh, to buzz around. But outside of that, I like having the first line back together. Skinner, Tage, Talk. Um, you said the third was Krebs, Middlestat, and. Krebs, Middlestad, and Quinn. Quinn, okay. Um, and then the fourth line, I kind of like that. That's like your your just grinded out, gritty line, which is all you can ask really of a fourth line. So I like that. But uh, the second and third would probably be the ones where I'd take the most exception. But as far as one and four goes, I give that the thumbs up. Hopefully, uh, hopefully it all works out tonight. Now the last question is, what's with Jacob Bryson? I, I was looking what at the is, lineups. He's past his prime. He's not in. It, is there at least a little thought in your head with Kale Clegg taking the last two games now, being a starter, is Bryson being sat for trade reasons? What are you going to trade him for? The guy's not very good. Like, Well, the it rest could of be a package deal because you see a lot of teams now resting guys for trade reasons. Arizona's doing it with Chickering for the next week or two. Uh, a Columbus Blues or uh, Columbus Blue Jackets player is being sat for until he gets traded. So it seems like teams are starting to sit what they want to trade. And could Bryson be part of a package deal somewhere? And that's why they're setting him. Probably not because he's not very good, but uh, <laughs> maybe that's the reason they're sitting him. But who knows? Obviously, Kevin Adams and the rest of the NHL GMs know more about internal trade discussions than I do. But uh, I would just say it's because he's not that that great of a player. But maybe there's uh, something more that meets the eye that I don't know about because I am not an NHL insider. I mean, if we could get something valuable for him in return, then cool. But I wouldn't expect we're going to get anything crazy in a package that involves Jacob Bryson, unless you throw in, you know, one of our more prized possessions like a Quinn or a Paterka or that type of thing. Yeah. What he said, I'm, I'm right. <laughs> I'm right on board. I'm pr- like, they took the words out of my mouth with that. I'm pretty much right there. Uh, so the last thing before we go to break score predictions, 
for tonight? I think, honestly, I'm going to reserve my score prediction for the start of our stream. Okay. I'm going to hold uh, off. I'm going to hold off. Sorry, Dan. You just got rejected. Wow. Uh, wow. Majority rules. I'm going to hop on with Joe, and uh, we'll uh, we'll reveal that information before, right before the game. On here on 91.3 FM <laughs> at 945. Shameless plug. Uh, for the Blitz Overtime. Great name. Uh, but we're going to take a quick break with that. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the new head coaching hires in the NFL. Also, with players being released weirdly today, a lot more than I thought. Uh, but we're going to talk about when we get back. So keep listening to the Blitz on 91.3 FM. What's up, everybody? Hey, first, I just want to say uh, to the Colts organization, the Colts Nation, how much I appreciate the opportunity. I'm so grateful uh, for the last eight weeks of the season and the opportunity to represent you guys. I appreciate the coaches for all your time, energy, and effort to all the players uh, laying it out there each and every week. I can't tell you how much I respect and appreciate what each and every player, not only for the Colts, but the NFL do uh, and, and what they, they put on the line each and every week. But it was an absolute blessing. Uh, I, I look fondly upon it. Wish we would have done better, but uh, ultimately that, that is where it is. And so uh, I want to wish Coach Dyken the best of luck. I'm still a huge Colt fan and pulling for you guys. Looking forward to uh, hoisting some Lombardi trophies and excited for your opportunity. So uh, for everybody out there, including the however many thousand that signed the petition, which may have included my wife. Of course, Twitter reloads at that very time. But welcome back to the Blitz on 91.3 FM. And that was former interim head coach of the in the Indianapolis Colts. I had trouble getting Indy out of my, my body. I don't know why. Uh, but... Yeah, there's a lot of head coaching hires in the NFL that happened yesterday. And uh, if you're an Eagles fan, it just gets worse and worse every time you look at the NFL. I mean, just think about it. You know, Sunday, you lose the Super Bowl. Monday, you're still sad. Tuesday, it's Valentine's Day. So your Eagles fans are probably single at home, you know. Uh <laughs> eating Philly cheesesteaks to get over the depression. But at the same time as Valentine's Day, both of their coordinators shipped off. Uh, they decided they wanted to be head coaches. And they're like, it's our time now. Screw this. I want to go to the Colts. I want to go to the Cardinals. So the offensive coordinator, uh, Shane Stein, uh, decided to go to the Colts. And... Man, I got to admit, how much does Jim Ursay love taking Eagles offensive coordinators? Because that man has a deep, profound love for them. He takes Frank Reich, has them, has him for six years, and now you got this guy who's probably going to be there for a good chunk if they work out. And you know, I, I got to admit, Jim Ursay may be a very questionable guy. I mean, we all questioned his, his hiring skills, but... uh to hear that he finally got convinced over the hump to choose the Eagles offensive coordinator over Jeff Saturday, man, that, that dude has changed. Because I really thought he was going to take his drinking buddy. What what did you guys think of the Colts hiring? Well, better than Jeff Saturday, I would say. I mean, you look at what Shane Steichen did with the Philadelphia Eagles this season. Granted, they had probably the 
maybe the best roster in football, even on that side of the ball. But still, to get that development out of Jalen Hurts, who was not regarded universally as one of the best passing quarterbacks in the NFL prior to a this season and again like I said it helps when you have you know a gambit of pass catchers that includes AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, Quez Watkins, Dallas Goddard and the best offensive line in football but you know at the end of the day he was able to get those uh, get those guys to produce and you know I'm sure Colts fans are hoping they can do the same for them it's going to be you know more of an uphill battle with Indianapolis than it was for Philadelphia because I mean the the Colts offensive line is good on paper and in the pocketbook they're the highest paid offensive line in the NFL but have not been you know particularly great for the past couple of seasons now they don't really have the same pass catching weapons you go from you know AJ Brown being your number one receiver and Devontae Smith being your number two to Michael Pittman and sheesh Alec Pierce I guess um Mo Alley Cox at tight end so you know, it's going to be more of an uphill battle to try and get production. And who knows what the quarterback situation is going to look like. I'd imagine that they're going to move on from Matt Ryan. So that leaves you with Sam Ellinger. Or maybe they go after someone like a Derek Carr in free agency or target somebody in the draft. So, I mean, really the only crown jewel that he has on that offense is Jonathan Taylor, which is a good starting spot, but... Uh, the point remains it's going to be it's going to be tough i'm intrigued to see if you know he's up to the challenge but as far as you know looking at his resume what he did with that philadelphia offense transforming them from last year to this year i mean i imagine colts fans are uh, pretty excited about that yeah i would have to agree with you um jeff saturday you won't be missed uh you lost your last high school football game you ever coached before coaching the nfl so i just think you know the drinking buddy thing whatever i don't even care about it I think they went in the right direction of not keeping him just based off the fact that they got someone with real experience who also just won the Super Bowl. So, you know what I mean? So it just it, it made a lot of sense. And it's of course, it's going to be an adjustment. But they that's a team where a young offensive minded head coach like that really could turn it around for him. You know what I mean? And just kind of go from there. It's just... When you had Jeff Saturday, you weren't getting anywhere fast. It's just who he was, and you know the like Dan said that stupid drinking buddy comments and all that stuff. Like why? Why in your right mind? I get it. You were in a pinch, right? You just fired Frank Reich for uh, maybe give him a quarterback and then see how he does. But we'll see in Carolina how he does with Baker Mayfield. You know? No, no, no Baker, no Sam, no Sam. So they're starting from the ground up too. Basically, I believe it's uh, who they drafted, Sam Howell. Or am I wrong on who? Or is it Sam Howell? Sam Howell was in. Wait, what team are we talking about here? Panthers. He brought up Panthers. No, it's uh, Matt Corral. He missed the season with injury. Golden Corral. Yeah. Uh, But I I think he actually. I don't know. There's like a little new romance happening with the Colts that, you know, they they love to take the Eagles things. Who knows? Maybe. Uh, one year, uh, <laughs> if the Eagles would have won the Super Bowl, next year Colts win the Super Bowl. Who would have known? But the next head coach hiring was by the Arizona Cardinals, the last one to make a head coaching hire because they waited forever and ever and ever. Uh, and they finally decided on defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon. 
who was also from the Eagles. And I, I think for Arizona, this is a perfect move in a sense because their defense was out of the park horrible. It, it was like I didn't even want to touch them with a five-foot foot pole, you know. Um, they, they just have a horrible defense, but they have some good names on that defense. But they've also let go of some good names on defense that are now th- thriving in different places. And I think this is perfect for Kyler Murray in the sense that you you actually have a coach who who doesn't have a losing record everywhere he's been. You know, he, he doesn't have to deal with his college coach and, and putting in clauses in his contract saying that he won't play too much of, uh, of Call of Duty. You know, um... I, I really think the Eagles, because there were reports that the Eagles tried really hard to keep him. They're like, please don't go. Please don't go. Please don't go. Please. We'll give you whatever you want. We'll give you the whole thing. Except a head coaching job. And he said, I want a head coaching job. I'm going out. What are your thoughts on the Arizona hire? Again, he had the benefit of coaching probably the best defense or coordinating, I should say, the best defense in the NFL. I mean, you look at that front seven, they're loaded and, you know, they got too deep at each position. You look at their edge rushers with Brandon Graham and Josh Sweat and then particularly that interior. You got Fletcher Cox, you got Javon Hargrave, the rookie Jordan Davis, who is an absolute tank. Like, they are... They are so good in that regard, and even on the back end with you know bringing in Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and having Darius Slay, who's an all-pro caliber player. James Bradbury had a really good season, so they're just you know loaded on defense. Even though you know they had the 70 sacks in the regular season, tied for third most in the regular season in history, they had nothing to show for it in the Super Bowl, zero sacks, but... You know, he had the benefit, like I said, of coaching the best defense probably in the NFL. So the talent, there's going to be a considerable drop-off in Arizona. And I'm not sure how I feel about this one because it's been well-documented now that, you know, the lion's share of coaches in this past playoffs were offensive coaches. Really, Sean McDermott was like one of the only tried-and-true defensive coaches to make the playoffs this postseason. So that's just the way it is. It's an offensive league. So... I don't know if I love it, but it's another one of those where you have to wait and see. He seemed, you know, excited. The I think the Cardinals dropped a video on TikTok of him meeting Kyler Murray. And, you know, he was doing the Sean McDermott clap as he's walking up to him. They <laughs> dap him up. So he seems excited to work with Kyler Murray. So I am interested to see how that works out because, you know, again, I don't know what goes on behind the closed doors there in Arizona, but there's been reports that Kyler Murray is not an easy guy to work with. So it'll be interesting to see how that turns out, but I'll just I'll just leave it there. I don't know if I love it for Arizona. I mean, probably better than Kingsbury, but uh, we'll just uh, we'll have to see about that. Yeah, I think I think the X factor is how Kyler Murray works with coaches. I, like you said, Tanner, he's got the reputation of a a bad boy. You know, he, he doesn't work well with with the coaching staff. But then again, the coach was Cliff Kingsbury, so we don't we don't know. We'll ha- we'll have to get a sample size from the off season and see how things are reported to be going there. But I don't hate it. I don't love it. I'm meh about it. Like it's okay. But like you said, defensive minded head coaches, Sean McDermott is a standout in making the playoffs because well, he has... Well, I would say he's basically 
the pinnacle of defensive head coaching. Right, but that's because he has a quarterback in an offense being run by an all-time talent in Josh Allen. That saves a lot. But then when he's neutralized, you see the issues with defensive-minded head coaches not changing and adjusting at all like Andy Reid did in that Super Bowl. So, I don't know. Those are that's just those are that's another conversation. I have words on the whole def- defensive mind head coach thing, but we'll see how he does in Arizona. If Kyler Murray all of a sudden snaps out of whatever shenanigans he's in and does well, I'm okay with that. Um, but we'll we'll have to just wait and see how that goes. I want to talk about one guy that hasn't gotten a head coaching job. What does Eric Bieniemy have to do to get a head coaching job? I don't think he will. Personally, he never will. Andy Reid's going to retire, and they're like, dude, if you stay, you're going to be, you're 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 gone. You're no. I don't know if you guys really, knew, but he's actually... You think if Andy Reid retires... He's going to be the head coach. He becomes head coach. Absolutely. He's the most... He's He's got... The thing he's is... He's been there. The thing is, is his contract is done. Like, it expires after this season. He's interviewing the commanders for their OC job. That's one thing I wish the Bills would do. Like, I've been a Dorsey defender, but if there's if there's an upgrade out there, I feel like you should take it. I wish we would interview Biennemi for our OC job, but that's just not going to happen. Just imagine running that offense with Allen. And the offense, you know what I mean? Like, Well, you, you guys are saying, oh, how great would the offense be? How perfect would it be? Would it be? He hasn't called his own plays yet. That's what so he wants to do. So all we know that he is a figurehead and that Andy Reid is calling all the plays. Well, that's a pretty good guy, even if you're not calling the plays. That's uh, a pretty good guy to be second in command to. Yeah. I, yeah. Because now you got the argument, do you want, for the second time, a first-time uh, play caller? I think the enemy would be better more suited. More experience. Yeah, he'd be better suited to do be that more than experience? Dorsey. Dorsey has the same amount of experience as he does. The enemy actually, he doesn't not, he and Reed talk. How you know that? Because that's what's you reported. You have insiders? That's what's reported, Dan. It's not just the offensive coordinator talks to the head coach and then Andy Reed calls the official play. Everything goes through Andy Reed. Even the defensive plays go through Andy Reed, you know. So. It's not yeah, like he has he no experience. Yeah, but he trusts Steve Magnola way more than you would trust Biennemi. I would think that would I would take Biennemi over Dorsey just because Biennemi, you have a Super Bowl winning team under multiple times. At least Biennemi's been in the role before. Like yeah. Dorsey was a first-year offensive coordinator, but it was his first year in the role. Sure, maybe Biennemi doesn't call the plays, but he's been in that role for five years now, so he would be better suited, I think, than Dorsey to be like a first-year tried-and-true play caller. Well, the other question is, if he's so great, if he's, so, if he's done so well in his illustrious career with Kansas City, why isn't he a head coach? There because he some... doesn't meld well with players. That has come out. LaShawn McCoy has come out and said, I would never play for a guy like that. There are questions about his leadership, and that's something you cannot have. Even if you're an offensive coordinator, I understand Dorsey has not been in this position long enough, but he at least gets along with Allen, Diggs, McKenzie. He, he gets along with all his players. Getting along over knows. winning, though, I don't know if I would take that. That's a big part of being a coach though. I understand, but then again, one guy, LaShawn McCoy has an attitude, all right? Like that's like I'm not going to base it off of one thing I've heard from LaShawn McCoy. And look at the guys that have come out, you know, in support of him. I mean, exactly. Tyreek Hill just came out and said, "Yeah, this yeah, is ridiculous. He's, he's that awesome. the enemy doesn't have a coaching yeah. job." 
Yeah, I'm sure I'm, Mahomes, I, I don't know an exact quote, but I'm sure Mahomes has come out and sung his praises as well. So for one guy that has a negative story, I mean, that just people are complex. Like not everyone's going to get along. You know, some people just don't see eye to eye on things. So, you know, for one person that comes out and says, yeah, I didn't like my experience with Eric Bieniemy," there's probably 10 other ones. I would say, yes, this guy is well cut out. He should be a head coach. I don't know, because then the other thing comes down to, okay, if it's not the players, if it's not that he hasn't called plays on his own, what about the interviews? Does he get along with the owners? If he's still there, I assume he gets along with the owners. They would have canned him if he didn't. And he clearly gets along with Andy Reid because he would have been gone if he didn't. He's well, been there that's since. That's a coaching decision. That's not an owner decision. The owner can tell you who to fire. If you stand behind that person, you can be the one fired. We've seen that multiple times. Right, but it's if like the if owners didn't like him, why wouldn't he? Good. Why is he still there? The owner loves him because they've won two Super Bowls with him. Exactly. So we would love him if he came here and won two Super Bowls with us. He wouldn't be an offensive coordinator, though. I don't think he it would. would be a right move to move Dorsey down just because of a mid year because we expect perfect perfection with Josh Allen. It's not necessarily a perfect perfection thing. It's if we have that experience on the board and available where at our team right now, we're going to decline in talent a little bit with these big contracts. So you need an X factor. And I think that'd be a pretty big X factor over Dorsey. It's a business thing at the end of the day. It's not necessarily like, oh, we got to give someone another chance. No, not really. If you if there's a better opportunity out there, you got to take it. This game's about winning the big one at the end. And it is, but it's also to sticking to your guns. And our I guns think- have gotten us back to back exits in the divisional round for the past two years. This one was an embarrassment. I mean, yeah, the last one was one hundred percent. And the first time we played think- the Chiefs in the AFC Championship, we got floored. Okay, that happens. So we're trusting this process, but at the same time, it's been six years now, and I know I'm sounding like I, a hater. I, I mean, unless if you, I, I mean, you haven't gone as far as let's fire Sean McDermott, but if you ever do save the day, that let's say we'll fire. If Sean we're McDermott. in twenty twenty, if we're nearing twenty thirty, and the Bills have not won a Super Bowl under his tenure yet, he's gone. No. Yeah. If you're keeping a person that long, no. Then why is Biennemi not gone? Because he, there's something wrong with him. That I don't think really, there's something wrong. There has to be. There's, Joe, there has to be. The man got five job interviews for head coach and didn't get hired by a single team. Okay, there's and Leslie, Leslie Frazier has been uh, interviewed by many, co- many One. teams. One. No, he was a head you coach, did. Dan. He was a head coach. And he look was at a head him coach, now. but he Minnesota. hasn't been interviewed he was with, since. He was with Minnesota as a head coach. Yeah, Bobby Smith was a head coach with Chicago. Why do I keep on going in the past? It if doesn't you, matter. If you have access to that level of an offensive coordinator, it's a business decision at the end of the day. What it, you need to do to get your team to the end. You're looking in the wrong business. You're looking at the business of what's best for the team on paper. What's best on paper? Is Dorsey best on paper? I think he is. I think. What does he have on he paper can over be better than Bianami? Either that's not next on, year or the year after. That's not on paper. On paper, Biennemi is the pick. Two Super Bowl titles. And but the you Chiefs also have been think... one of the most prolific offenses in the NFL. Yes. For, I mean, 
look at just look at getting rid of Tyreek Hill. Like everyone thought they'd probably be worse off because oh, they just got rid of their you know most explosive offensive playmaker. But they were arguably better this year than last, and sure, part of that is on the spectacular play of Mahomes. But you got to give credit to Reed and Bieniemy as well for being able to you know put his guys in position to still have him put up the, these numbers that he does and they this, switched, this offense does. They I, I only give credit to Reed. That's, I, I will never get give credit to Bianami. Dan, they talk. You have to talk to your offensive coordinator to yeah. call plays. Doesn't mean you have to call what he likes. You think, especially well, you if think, your well, specialty. They, you would hope that they. Yeah, Dan, they agree. They yeah, agree on plays. They agree. They're on running the, the same playbook. They're, <laughs> they're running the same playbook. Bianami probably <laughs> the way it goes. I mean, they've never really specified, but I've read an interview with Bianami where he says, you know, they have a communication system and the way that they do things. So one probably suggests a play to the other, and I would imagine there's some agreement before they uh, before they call it, or you know, one will make suggestions to the other. So it's not like Reed's just you know calling the plays and Bianami's riding his coattails. Obviously, there's got to be some communication there, and Biennemi has a hand in, you know, Reed's decision-making. And that's why, truthfully, I believe that the Chiefs are hanging on to him to make him their head coach when Andy Reed retires. Because Andy Reed was speculating retirement this season, but he's going to stay. And Biennemi's contract is up, like you said, after this season. What a perfect exit right there and a hire for a head coach who knows the system, who's been in the system, who's won two Super Bowls in the system, who's got chemistry with Mahomes, knows the players, and can do it again. That's that's what I'm telling you is going to happen right there. Bianami's the Chiefs' future head coach. He may be a future head coach, but he's not the future Bills offensive coordinator. That's for sure. He went after him. I was could just be. saying I wish he was. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Like There's virtually no shot, but I wish. One can dream. One can dream. You can sleep in your bed and think about it for the rest of your life. That's okay. Uh, the last thing I have... For until we go to break, is that you know we talked a little bit about the Colts, but Jim Irsay wastes no time going to a different subject. Uh, for the past couple of days, you know people make mock drafts because that's all what they got right now, uh, and there's been speculation that oh hey, the Colts are most likely going to be traded for the Bears' number one overall pick because the Bears are most not uh, most likely not going to stay there. So Jim Irsay decided to go on Twitter. Now, like every normal 60, 70-year-old. And uh, released a tweet and a picture that says, My relationship with the Chicago Bears goes back more than 60 years. And it's him riding a bear at Lincoln Park Zoo. Uh. <laughs> Connection? Is it, is it possible that he just released knowledge into the NFL without us knowing? Is he foreshadowing? I don't know. He might just be <laughs> an, an eccentric guy. I don't know if he's trying. I don't, is Jim Irsay smart enough to do something like that? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. He hired his drinking buddy to be the interim head coach. <laughs> you <laughs> did, you just said you didn't, didn't like know. the term drinking buddy. No, no. I said I agreed with it. Oh, you said you agreed with it? Yeah, I said oh. I, la- I, like, I laugh at it. Like, it's just oh. funny, but like I agree with it. All right, so we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back on the Blitz on 91.3 FM, WBNY Buffalo. Buffalo's original alternative since 1982, brought to you by the Buffalo State Student Activity Fee. 154 left. Break, set it up for you. 35 all, third and eight. 
Mahomes, pressure, lofting one, end zone incomplete. Juju Smith-Schuster couldn't catch up. There's a flag at the 10. Hang on, there's a penalty. Prior to the pass, holding number 24, defense, five-yard penalty, automatic, first down. Yeah, that's... Welcome back to what's on 91.3 FM WBOY. I'm still your host, Double D, joined by Joe Kelly and Tanner Saunders. And, of course, I, I had to, to play the Super Bowl-defining moment because it keeps being brought up. It just can't end itself, can it? Because if you were living under a rock or just hiding somewhere uh, and you didn't look at a calendar or your phone, you... You you probably didn't know it was Valentine's Day yesterday, so so Juju Smith, the the perfect guy that he I is, think everyone the, knew it was Valentine's Day yesterday. Shut up, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I try uh, to I try not to think about it because I've had no reason to celebrate for the first twenty two years and eight months of my life. But even I, even even someone like me, you gotta know it's Valentine's Day. Yeah, I don't care. Uh, <laughs> I don't care about Valentine's Day. That's but, what I'm saying. You know, Juju, the nice guy that he is, decided to, you know, send everybody a, a, a little Valentine uh, with James Bradbury on it saying, I'll hold you when it matter most. <laughs> the, the nice guy Juju is, you know, letting, letting the world just know how much he appreciates for James Bradbury. You know, I, I wonder if he got him flowers, chocolates, uh, a, a giant stuffed teddy bear with a with a Super Bowl ring on it, you know. I, I really wonder. Um and the the Eagles players did not 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 like it that much, you know. Uh Bradbury didn't really say anything to my knowledge. That's a team you really don't want to poke the bear with too, in that city, Philadelphia. Oh, yeah, like, no, that, that's, that's like the worst team yeah. to poke fun at because they'll just destroy their whole city and in uh retrospect. Didn't that happen the other night? Weren't it did. Yeah, after <laughs> After you know, we lost. were really thinking it was like it's like it's the like Eagles said, are like gonna the, the Eagles the fans are gonna the, the Sabers won the Stanley Cup. Oh yeah. my god! But it was basically the Eagles fans are either going to burn the city down if they win, or they're going to burn the city down if they lose. So, but you know, some of the players didn't take uh, take too much of a liking to that tweet. So you know, they got to reply on Twitter because everything's fun on Twitter now. Uh, it, it's like grabbing your popcorn and just waiting for drama. So C.J. Gardner-Johnson decided to tweet out uh, by retweeting Juju and saying, schoolboy's acting gangsta. <laughs> schoolboy? Uh, schoolboy's acting gangsta. That That is a direct quote. Uh, so if C.J. Gardner-Johnson has a problem with how I'm saying it, uh, call into the show at 716-827-8504. You're not doing anything. You're not at a Super Bowl... Uh, uh, You're not at parade. Disneyland. Yeah, exactly. I would love to. I'm get going to Disneyland. I'm... Is that your Mahomes impression? That, I heard the little Kermit, like, Kermit the Frog Yeah, that was my that was my Patrick Mahomes impression. You know, just we we do the plays. Coach Reed and the enemy tell us to, and we do it. Go to Disneyland. Uh, but then AJ Brown, you know, every every almost every player with a Twitter on the Eagles decided to retweet it, and AJ Brown said, first off, congratulations." Y'all deserve it. 
This is lame. You're with, you was on the way out of the league before Mahomes resurrected your career on your one-year deal, TikTok boy. He admitted <laughs> that he grabbed you, but don't act like you're like that or ever was. But congratulations again. I think TikTok boy is the best part of that. I, I got to admit, that, yeah. that was the best uh, response I've heard. But then again, but, he but is then, wanting his one-year, like, this is probably it. You know what I mean? But, but you know, Juju, Juju can't take that. He can't take being called TikTok boy. You know, it, it hits a heartstring. Him and, him and Jackson Mahomes have a plan for that. What, when so, he danced on the Bills logo all those years exactly. ago and we killed him? Uh, so, you know, Juju, Juju had to respond, and he retweeted A.J. Brown's tweet and said, Glad you were finally able to get all of that off your chest after all these years. Good game, bro. I, I, why, why do you have to be brought up again? Uh, you know, that, that, that is the, uh, the weirdest thing I think I've ever seen a player do. I understand trash talk before a game. We, we saw it with the Bengals, uh, you know, here with Burrowhead and, uh, Joe Mixon, who may become a cap casualty, but we'll talk about that. In a minute. <laughs> uh, but should we sign him? I, I I've never seen a team after a player says that they did wrong, and you know that takes a lot of guts to say that he disagrees with the refs, or he agrees with the refs rather. And for Juju to just keep clowning on it, just. I, I feel like that's just going to make the Chiefs more unlikable. I mean, not only do they have Nick Wright on their side, and that already makes them deplorable. Uh, Nick Wright, the host of First Take. Don't even, don't even, don't even. I, I don't want to hear that name. The, the horrible man that More he like is. Nick Wrong, Nick am I wrong. right? <laughs> he said that whoever voted for Josh Allen in the MVP conversation should be, he wants his vote over right. theirs because his is so right. Uh, but, you know, to add this to the conversation, it's kind of like, why are you poking the bear so much? You won. You you are the world champions here. Congratulations. You did it. Now shut your mouth and know your role, you jabroni. Travis Kelsey resurrected that. I know. That I is one that. thing he resurrected. But I, I did. I, I got hey, him. He's just that. partying. He fought for the right to party. Now he's he partying. Did. He did. But I, I got to admit. Kind of taking it to Twitter and making a bunch of fun about it. Do you think that's too far? Just in the sense because the player already feels bad and you're making him feel worse. And on one hand, it's kind of it's, it's kind of funny, but yeah, it was probably unnecessary. Like you're just kicking him while he's down. I mean, to do that just to score some social media brownie points that is kind of lame. But I can't lie, the meme itself was funny. I like a good meme. Um, I, I, <laughs> I like a good meme. That's just kind of where I'm at at this point. I, I like the fact there's a little trash talk. I don't like over the top trash talk, like the, all the Burrowhead stuff. I was so happy to see the Chiefs get smacked, um, or the Bengals get smacked. But it's just to me. Listen, you're getting paid millions to play a professional sport. Let's just calm down. All right, let's let's all take a second, take a step back, Juju. You did nothing. I mean, you did nothing until the Bills game. He was quiet all year. I drafted him in fantasy, and I regretted it, right? 
I mean, he had less touchdowns than uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson had picks. Exactly. He, he even mentioned that. He tweeted out, like, and he hey, won- maybe I should switch to wide receiver because I got more picks than you did touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, honestly, he, he played on the same Chiefs team that won a Super Bowl as Melvin Gordon. Like, let's just talk about that for a second. The, like, that's, that's comparable. Your one-year deal, you're gone. You're not playing in Kansas City next year. Granted, you had some okay catches. But don't act like you were the reason the team won. The reason the team won is because your MVP and your number one wide receiver on your tight on your team, which is your tight end, played well. Not you. In so. fairness to Juju, he did have like 900 yards receiving this year. And his role, he's not like a guy that catches you know a bunch of touchdowns, like a take the top off the defense you know type of guy. He's a more physical you know slot receiver. You know, just kind of move the chains, you know, make those tough catches over the middle. I mean, remember the game where he got absolutely smacked, got concussed? Like, that's Juju's role is to, you know, make those those tough catches in tight quarters. In fairness to Juju, I still think what he did, you know, he probably could have done without it. But in fairness, I mean, I think one player on Twitter said he was, you know, just about out of the league, you know, when he signed with Kansas City, which is just not true. So, you know, people want to want to hate on Juju, but uh, you know, in fairness, he's he's a good player. Oh, yeah. oh he wanted me to keep I can we tell gotta, what he's doing keep... with his hand signal. No, there. I didn't either. I thought he said we had to go to break, but no, I I'll agree with that. I mean, I'll give him a little bit. I'm not going to give him the Lombardi or anything even though he's got that. Uh, but yeah, He's he's a decent player. He has been since, you know, he entered the league and give him the crown of social media. What, what the, <laughs> give him the social media. We crown. get a telemarketer during our show. That's great. With the uh, the t- light came up and everything. Got Sorry, it. go ahead. <laughs> what was I? Oh, with the, no. the I thought the TikTok boy insult that was funny. Considering I've called Juju Smith-Schuster that myself, particularly after he danced on the the Bills logo and then we smacked Pittsburgh. Yeah. What was that two years ago? So yeah. I don't know why I'm defending Juju because I I <laughs> did take exception to that. I thought that was that was now that was lame. He no. danced on the Bills logo in Buffalo, oh, yeah. not to mention the Scumbag handful move. of other teams that he did it to. Now that's lame. It's not like Jackson Mahomes dancing on memorials to players who have passed away though i don't like him either but i will defend him there that's where the commanders had like the designated like press box i guess or or vip area yeah like visitor family area granted i still think jackson should have had some situational awareness be like (laughs) where am i standing right now oh over sean taylor's memorial maybe i shouldn't film a tiktok here but i don't know if jackson has the uh the mental fortitude to be able to do that but that was (laughs) that was as much on the commanders for putting him in that position as it was him actually filming the TikTok. So that was that one even though I don't like him either, I'll I'll stand up for him and I'll give him a not credit where credit's due, but uh, I, I got to call balls and strikes. Like that was on the commanders as much as it was him. Now the offensive line of the Chiefs decided for the Super Bowl parade that's happening right now. No sacks, zero sacks. Zero sacks t-shirt. I I mean they just love I, I think this is going to become a fun, if it keeps going like this, where people are going to start, like, trash talking and maybe make it more extreme to a level, I would love to see that because I feel like that would add an extra level. Like, if a wide receiver and cornerback got on it, uh, got at each other at, like, Instagram or um, Twitter, you know, you would be so pumped to see that um, 
matchup on Sunday. You would be like watching that game specifically for that. I I think if it keeps going that way, I would love to see um, that new dynamic. Well, we play come to the NFL. next year. We play the Eagles, Chiefs, and Bengals all away. Correct. So that's that's going to be fun. I have a feeling <laughs> that'll be interesting. Our schedules might be ranked number one on the hardest. I think we're. I I think for early right now we're like top ten. Yeah, I mean when we're playing, I the, don't think we're number one because the, the Jets always have a harder schedule than us. Yeah, but, but I mean we're playing the reigning Super Bowl champs. The team that smacked us in the AFC division, the divisional round, and the team that represented the NFC and had arguably the best roster in all of football this past season. So uh, that right there, I think, is cause for not concern, but you know what I mean. It's it's we're gonna have to go. As Dion Dawkins says, we got to strengthen those trenches. You know what I mean. That's that's the big thing. But I don't know. Another thing that came out today was that. Oh, hey, you remember that guy who betted on a couple of games a year ago and that got suspended? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's being reinstated everybody. Calvin Ridley? He asked for it. Uh, and, you know, he got traded during the uh, the trade deadline to the Jacksonville Jaguars. That was the best trade I think I've ever seen. They knew exactly what they were doing. Oh, yeah. I mean, Calvin Ridley, even though he is an older Older veteran, you know, he's older than most veterans, like in the sense of you play five years, you're usually 27. He's like, I think, 29 or 30 almost. Um, I I think he's definitely going to add a new dynamic to that Jaguars offense. I think Doug Peterson just said, go get him. I know you can get him for cheap. They'll love to give him (laughs) to you for cheap, and we're going to add a new new um, identity to our offense because now you're going to have Ridley on the outside with either Zay Jones or Christian Kirk and Kirk can go back into the slot or Jones could go into the slot either or you can even switch it up I, I mean there's probably so many things to do now with that Jaguars offense that if Trevor Lawrence has a losing season I think there's going to be questions if he can be a long-time quarterback for the Jaguars, just in the sense that Peterson is putting so many weapons around. I I mean, how can you argue that, you know, even though they traded away James Robinson, he was good for the beginning part of the year. Travis Etienne looked really good this year, except towards the end. Uh, His runs got, you know, a little less. Kirk Looked like he earned the deal. Jones looked like he earned the deal. Evan Ingram, a tight end that is known for having butter fingers, did not look like he put any butter on his fingers. That's true. The dude had like three touchdowns in a game. Nobody could believe it. I don't even think that Dave Gettleman at his, at, on his couch at home sitting on his butt doing nothing. Probably even couldn't believe it. He's like, he could do that? He could. I didn't know he could do that. I I think the, the Jaguars are definitely up there for winning the South. They are definitely, I think, the favorites. Even though how much I love Derrick Henry. Favorite guy, King Henry. Not going to burst down loud <laughs> nature right now, but... Uh, 
Doug Peterson has changed that team around in such a short period of time when just last year they had one of the worst they coaches the year. NFL has ever seen. They beat us. Shut up, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> they did. And that's, it makes that stat even worse that they beat us. I turned your mic off. Yep. You, you don't deserve to speak. <laughs> Come back when you have a positive attitude. Leave, take a walk, go around Bengal Hall. Uh, take know, a lap. Take a couple of laps. Oh, I hear your negative side. Oh, I hear it. I don't don't want to even think about it. Hey, <laughs> hey, 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 keep the birds in the cage, buddy. Fly this <laughs> fly. Yeah, I got you. I got you out there saying that. Yes. <laughs> uh... They sang that when they won the NFC Championship, too, but not the other day. It was not, but still. (laughs) Got you saying it. I can play anywhere I want. All right, so we're talking about Calvin Calvin Ridley here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Well, you mentioned Dan. He is actually 28 years old, just turned 28 on, well, not just, but last uh, December, the 20th. And, you know, for a guy that... That that's that old. He hasn't really played a lot of games. Like you look at DJ Moore, who was the only receiver selected ahead of him in that 2018 draft. He's played 80 career games so far. Calvin Ridley has only played 49. So and he's coming off a whole season. So he's going to be you know pretty fresh. You have to imagine, given the fact that he hasn't played you know a whole ton of games in his career thus far, and he's you know one year removed from the last time he's playing. And this is a guy that's shown potential to be an elite number one receiver. I mean, you look at 2020 and his age 26 season, the last time he played a full season, really, he put up 90 catches for 1,374 yards and nine touchdowns in 15 games. So you add that guy into the Jacksonville offense that exceeded anybody's expectations this year with pass catchers. You know, you mentioned Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, who we all thought was overpaid but had a breakout season. Evan Ingram, who had a breakout season. The ever-explosive Travis Etienne at running back. Like, they're, they're going to be a problem, I would imagine. And you have to you think Trevor Lawrence is going to continue his development arc trending upward, and they're just going to continue to improve as a team. So... You know, that was a big time, uh, big time acquisition for them bringing in Calvin Ridley, and I think he's going to be a huge addition for them next season in return to you know what he's what we saw from him in 2020. And you got to think, you know, with Atlanta, he was catching passes from Matt Ryan, you know, past his prime Matt Ryan. So now you get the young gun in there, Trevor Lawrence, who can really just sling it. That's going to be that's going to be big for him, big for Jacksonville, and I'm excited to see it. Hopefully. You know, they uh, take it easy on the Bills should we cross paths in the postseason. But uh, it's going to be fun to watch that team, particularly on offense. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think Trevor Lawrence has moved as well into a different category of quarterback. He's putting things together, which we weren't seeing with Urban Meyer. Um, And truthfully looking at it their team is going to be there look at like their division they're going to be at the top of their division for a long time i think they're with doug peterson as their head coach too we saw a lot of reminiscent philly plays going forward on fourth and short a lot you know in tense situations and that's what doug peterson's known best for and he rallied he brought trevor lawrence's confidence back too after urban meyer basically dug him six feet under and said okay um but all those guys etn jones you know and then ridley adding on top of that it's just another weapon for Trevor Lawrence to throw to, and I think that's going to be a huge factor in another team for the next 
few years for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, switching over to other things. Derek Carr gets released. Shocker. I know. Riveting news, guys. I know. Don't don't hold your excitement in for Derek Carr getting released. It wasn't like it was known for like three months. Um, but he's now a free agent. He's allowed to sign with any team that he wants. Right? His free agency opens. But there's rumors that the only two teams that called the Raiders about him were, of course, the team that he did workouts with, the New Orleans Saints, and the New York Jets. Hmm. So do you see him going to either of those two teams? And if so, let's say if he goes to the Jets, I'll add on if he'll go to the Jets. Do you think that helps the Jets improve really big time, mediocrely, or barely at all? I don't think he goes to the Jets. I'm going to say that. I know they call him, but when you bring Nathaniel Hackett in, who has good chemistry with Aaron Rodgers, I think you're going after one guy and one guy only, and that being Aaron Aaron Rodgers, Um, which would kind of be scary because they have a good defense and a pretty good team around them with some weapons. If you put a good quarterback in that system, uh, it can be a little scary because then we got the Dolphins – who play well with Tua and the Jets, who play well with a good quarterback, and then Patriots have a OC this season, so that that should be interesting. The AFC East is tightening up, um, but I think he ends ends up. You said what what team other than the Jets? Uh Saints. I think the Saints take him. I'm going to be 100 honest with you, because Jameis Winston attempted. Andy Dalton played well. I don't think they keep him. I think they keep him as a backup. And I think Derek Carr would fit into that system pretty nicely, um, and probably elevate it with you know he's he's not an amazing quarterback we know that, but with the right coach and the right system he got with Rich Passaccia he got that team to the the playoffs and um, what you call it didn't he get a couple MVP votes? Derek Carr no no not this season maybe no not this season i'm saying like oh in the past yeah. i believe maybe one i think it's yeah but it, not not to the extent of level that really that he was talked about no, being mvp no no but i i think a quarterback like that goes to the saints and they actually can make something happen because they have some pieces around him you've got alvin kamara right you have the running game mm-hmm. and that's that can survive by itself. But if you have a play caller out there like Derek Carr who's experienced and knows what he's doing, I think that helps. So I, I think he goes to the Saints, and I think Rodgers coming out of this darkness retreat goes to the, the Jets. All right. Uh, what were the uh, the two questions, Dan? Uh, which team do you think he's going to? And if it's the Jets, does it help them uh, exponentially, kind of, or not really at all? Of those two teams, I'm in the same camp as Joe, I think. You know, you brought in Nathaniel Hackett, who has that familiarity with Aaron Rodgers. I think they're going all in on Aaron Rodgers, assuming that he, you know, decides to continue playing. So I think the Saints would be the more likely of the two. He does have familiarity with head coach Dennis Allen. I believe he was the interim head coach for the Raiders for four games in 2014, which was Derek Carr's rookie season. So there is that familiarity there. Um, if he were to go to the Jets, say Aaron Rodgers, you know, if that falls through, he ends up retiring, whatever the case may be, I mean, I think it would help him a little bit. It would certainly be an upgrade from anything they have right now. Like, Derek Carr will raise their floor tremendously, I think, but is he really that much of a ceiling raiser? I don't think so. 
but uh, it would be better than Zach Wilson. Even though Zach Wilson, he said any veteran quarterback they bring in, he's going to make practice hell for them. Uh, I highly doubt that given what we've seen this past season, but but who knows. I really think he goes to the Jets, and the only reason I say that is due to the fact that the Jets don't like to pay people. They just don't. I, I think the Saints are way more willing to pay someone like a Lamar or an Aaron Rodgers more than a Derek Carr. And the Wait, Jets you said the Saints you think are more willing to? To pay a top-level quarterback? Yes. If, I think the Jets money. would rather pay for a mediocre quarterback. And I think Derek Carr is mediocre. I don't think he's that bunch and stuff. You know, He barely could do anything with Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, even though, granted, Hunter Renfro was hurt for a lot of the season. Same with Darren Waller. Um, but you have Devontae Adams. And that's all you really need. We but then again, your head coach is Josh McDaniel. And uh, by reports, they, those two oh, yeah. didn't really get along. Well, Carr didn't mm-hmm. really. Not that you know they disliked each other, but I guess Carr didn't really wasn't really fond of his uh, style of coaching. And we can see that because look at how they played with Rich Passaccia versus Josh McDaniel. They were a playoff team. Not anymore. So I think that's the biggest problem there. I I just honestly think that. The Jets are more like likely to sign a guy who's kind of middle of the pack. Don't have to pay him too much. Um, because if I'm Robert Sala, I'm not looking as Derek Cor- or Derek Carr as my long-term quarterback. You know, if I was looking at Lamar, I would be like, yeah, that's my long-term quarterback. But will my owner let me, you know, go after him? And I don't think. The Jets only will let them go after him. They barely pay for anybody on their roster. Eh, they do. I wouldn't go that they far. Do. I mean, they paid Corey Davis. They paid two tight ends, CJ Uzama and Tyler Conklin. They paid. Did Quinn and Williams get an extension? I'm not sure, but not still, know. they paid Carl Lawson. They paid CJ Mosley a ton of money. Well, Carl Lawson is now supposedly going to be cut as a cap casualty. Hey, they, they, they still paid him. What, regardless of how it turns out, they still paid him. They paid DJ Reed, probably not enough after the season he had. They paid Jordan Whitehead, so I wouldn't say they're cheap. It's just when they allocate their money, it doesn't always go in the best places. That's a that's a fair statement there. But, you know, more waivers, you know, why not put more people on the free agent market? Oh, hi, New York. Another New York thing? What's that? What? What? Why am I hearing from Bill's, Bill's East? Oh, Sterling Shepard got cut. Sterling Shepard got cut. I I think that's really. This guy's an entertainer today. I know <laughs> I am. He's, He's an entertainer today. You can't blame me. Uh, but I I think that's a weirder move because Sterling Shepard went healthy. Granted, went healthy, and they could go be going in the direction of like they did with the Bills. You know, you got to be healthy. Um, Sterling Shepard is a good number two, number three wide receiver. He is. Even when he's had to step step up and be the number one, he's been really, really good in some senses, in some games. Um, I would like to see the Bills kind of go after Sterling Shepard this offseason. That might be an interesting pickup. And I know he's coming off injury. But that means you can get him for a little bit cheaper. 
doesn't have to go that far. The only difference is that we're not in New Jersey. We're in New York. I mean, what are your thoughts about maybe Sterling Shepard coming to the Bills? I think that would be yeah, that would be cool. I mean, he's the main problem with him in his career is he's been injury riddled. I mean, we had the torn ACL this past season, but even before that, I mean, he's been banged up throughout his entire career. But when on the field, he's been particularly you know something that the Bills need, which is a slot guy. He's been you know a very productive slot guy throughout his career. He's a guy that'll go out and get you about you know sixty catches, somewhere around six hundred yards a season, maybe a couple touchdowns. But just being able you know to work that short to intermediate range in the slot, which is something that the Bills' offense last year lacked desperately, even once. Beasley thought came back. We all thought Beasley, you know, was going to be this just revelation. And not to say he was bad, but he didn't have as much of an impact as probably a lot of Bills fans thought he would. So I wouldn't be mad at uh, at bringing in a Sterling Shepard. You mentioned you could probably get him at a discount given you know his checkered past when it comes to injuries. And you know the proof is in the in the pudding. You know you look at his career in the uh, the seventy five games that he played with the Giants from twenty sixteen to. 2022 you know he's been he's been solid it averages about 55 yards a game you know he could be uh he could be a nice maybe under the radar option to look at and we already know there's that bills giants crossover obviously with dayball and shane so you know they poached out they poached a bunch of our players let's return the favor i i agree a hundred percent with that i know joe's not here right now because he probably had to go uh I got to make sure. Can I say that on air, what Joe usually says? He's got to go rock a piss. No. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I didn't know where you were going you with that. You didn't know where I was going with that? I don't know. I Have thought... you never heard him say that? I don't think so. Oh, my God. You're you're missing out, Tanner. It's a funny joke every time. <laughs> well, speak of the devil, he has uh, returned. Did you go rock a piss? No, I did not. I just I I was warm. I needed to just move oh, around dude, in the cool yeah, air for a second. It is very warm in the studio. Yeah. I took off my sweatshirt. Yeah, no, I don't blame I'm you. I'm also I also just searched up some stuff about the pizza places for that were yeah for the that we're looking for tonight. Yeah, but it's only open till nine, so we'll have to chat after about uh, right. Yeah, <laughs> Do you logistics. Want, uh, Sterling Shepard to the Bills thoughts. I wouldn't mind that at all. I think honestly, the more weapons we can get, the better. That's just where I'm at at this point. Whether it be who's who's the uh, offensive coordinator for the Chiefs again? Eric Bieniemy. Whether it be Eric Bieniemy, whether whether it be him, I'm I'm fine with anything. I'll tell you the wide receiver I really want the Bills to target this offseason is DJ Chark. But yes, I'm right on board with that. I would almost I let's I get would, Miles Sanders while we're at it. Come on, I, I Bumble would boy. Also, I would also like <laughs> to see in the sense of cheapness. Uh, Rashad Bateman, I think he would be a nice speedy downfield catcher. I know uh, that's probably somewhat of Davis's role, but I would rather see Davis be used somewhere in the medium to short pass game where Allen can have a bigger target um, than seeing him trying to run downfield and beat two safeties in a corner. I hate to burst your bubble here, Double D, but Rashad Bateman is still on his rookie scale contract, so unless he gets released, oh. he won't be a free agent till 2025. 
And there is breaking news Uh-oh. about the Bills. Tanner, this may be only like Andrew. Bills sign Eric Bieniemy to lifetime contract. Yes. Well, it is a hiring of a coach. Oh. The Bills are hiring veteran wide receiver coach Adam Henry. Henry, who has coached at LSU and with five NFL teams, most recently was Indiana's co-OC slash wide receiver coach. Trying to unbutter Gabe Davis's fingers. And if you go back in, in past, that guy coached guys like Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham Jr., where are they now? Odell Beckham <laughs> Jr. on the free agency market? Is it not a perfect link-up where you bring his old coach back and you're like, hey, I got money. We're going to do this move. We thought the screaming might be over after the football season. The screaming will never be over, it's Joe. Here. It's here. It's here. It will never be over. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I like everything about that. I really do. But OBJ's knee is, like, not okay. It's fully healed. It should be fully healed by this beginning of the season in camp. Well, if they make a move for a vet wide receiver to have out there, like we had Emmanuel Sanders, Diggs, and Davis, right, two years ago, that really worked. If we had Beckham, well, let me say it in the order it should be, Diggs, Beckham, Davis, and Knox. Let's not forget we have a tight end who we're paying top five tight end money in the NFL that can catch footballs and run routes and truck people and get yards after catch. That was not utilized because our old line was terrible and he was used as a blocking tight end this season. But that's not not that's besides the point. We I would I wouldn't mind that at all, Dan. I wouldn't mind that at all. If that actually happens, I'm okay with it. But he needs to know that he's not the number one option all the time. You know what I mean? Because right. in, in Cleveland, I understand it was a way different situation, but you can't Well him and Diggs actually, are kind of the same personality actually, type. Joe, if you think about it. Allen could do it in the sense that he could give targets to both of them. He, we saw it one year with uh, Diggs and Beasley, where they had about the same number of catches. Maybe Diggs had a couple more because he got to over 1,000 yards. Beasley came close to over 1,000 yards, and they tried to get him to over 1,000 yards, but he got hurt during the New England game, uh, which kind of screwed up the rest of the postseason for him. But... I think this may be a really good foreshadowing to, you know, Brandon Bean said there there's not going to be a Von Miller signing, but he didn't say anything about an Odell Beckham signing. Yeah. And uh, just to, if anybody and was wondering. Would he take cheap money, you think? Hmm? Beckham. Not cheap money, but like what we would give him. Well, he, what would probably happen Incentive is that, based? Is that um, Bean would probably backload the contract. Right, like if he's we get doing to the with Super Bowl, Miller, yeah. Diggs, Allen, where most of the money will come towards the end of their contract, I can definitely see there being like an option, a, a, a team option, if it's like a four-year deal. So let's say Odell would want to leave after two years, you would do a two-year uh, team option. But uh, if you were wondering where Adam Henry has coached before. Uh, you know, I said LSU in Indiana, but the professional team say he was with was the 49ers in 2015, the Giants from 2016 to 2017, which Odell was there, the Browns from 2018 to 2019, Odell was there, the Cowboys from 2020 to 2021, and then Indiana is where, before coming to the Bills. So I think 
he's going to be a good wide receiver coach. I mean, we've seen teams in the past. I mean, Odell and Jarvis did really well with the Browns that one season. Um, Amari Cooper had a great season. Same with CD, uh, because I believe that was their first year. Uh, wasn't 2016 before this year the last year that the Giants made the playoffs? So that was Odell, Sterling. I can see a lot of things linking up, and it's a good move. I really think they they did a search, and I think they found maybe the right guy. I like the move. I like the, the – I'm glad we have breaking Bills news. Not all the time do we have breaking Bills news. I think the only other time we've had breaking Bills news, and Tanner, you'll remember this because it was just us two, it was the Cody Ford trade. Oh, my God. And we were like, yeah, Bills news. No, that was – Evan was in there too, I remember. That was, was during one of the summer shows. Yeah, I, I, I forget I was in my, Evan my, had to leave for something. It, was I there for it? I was there for summer shows. I can't remember. I can't remember. I remember either. it was at least the three of us, and I know it was during the summer. I was at my yeah. grandparents' house, and we were doing it, and calling in for the phone. But I remember we we had that. Was big... Jacob Fleming here for that one? No, no, <laughs> no. no. Uh, so with that exciting news, I I gotta re re uh, establish myself. Uh, oh my god! <laughs> because you know it, it's hard being throwing off your rhythm. Uh, who got th- who threw you off your rhythm? I tweet the signing. Thing, Dan's you know? a Twitter I, warrior. I, I had a, Dan is a Twitter warrior. I, I had a list going into this, Joe. Uh, another breaking news topic. It's about the Sabers. Not about trade. Unluckily, but it, it it's about a prospect. It's about Devin Levi. Who else? Who else? Uh, he is a semi-finalist for the Mike Richter Award. Uh, so it, and that is the NCAA's top goaltending award that he actually won last season too. So he can get it twice. He's gonna he's gonna have trophies coming into the Sabers. He's gonna go to Rochester. And he said he's gonna come in. He's gonna be look at these puppies, and, <laughs> and he's gonna be like, I need a bigger one though in the middle. And, uh, I wish everyone Stanley was here Cup to see Trump. this right now. What? I wish everyone was here to see that right now. Oh, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> uh, we're, we're not going to disclose where my hands were. Uh, but then, another signing that happened. You know, we love breaking news. We love everything breaking. But this was four hours ago by the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Vic Vanjo is officially their defensive coordinator. After signing a two-week contract with the Eagles that nobody knew about until the Super Bowl, uh, but you know they they released his uh, whole coaching, not bio, but it's like coaching where he coached before. I can't think of the right word that I want to use, but his resume. His resume. Thank you. Uh, he used to be with the Saints in 1986 and worked there until 1994. And he was Carolina for three years, so 1995 to 1998. He was with the Colts since uh, with 1999 and then 2001. Uh, Houston from 2002 to 2005. Then Baltimore from 2006 to 2009. San Francisco from 2011 to 2014. Chicago from 2015 to 2018. Then, of course, the Denver Bronco head coach. Head coach, uh, horrible, 
horrible time, uh, from 2019 to 2021, and then he was the Eagles in 2022. So that man is coming in with a lot of experience under his belt. Are you scared that with a new defensive coordinator in Vic Fangio, will it make the Bills' time a lot harder than it was last season? I don't think so. I mean, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. How many times did we play Denver, I think, twice when they had Vic Fangio and kind of carved them up both times. So I'm not too worried about that. Josh Allen has not seemed to have had much of an issue with Vic Fangio coach defenses. So I'm not, uh, I'm not like shaking in my boots over here. Yeah, isn't that when we went off on the Broncos when he was there? Let me let me just double check this, Joe. If you could what just ramble on here again? for a moment, Vic Fangio, right? Mm-hmm. He was the coordinator for the Broncos at one point, was he not? No, he was just head coach. Head coach. Yeah, that's even better. That's even better. And that's when we murked them that COVID year. Remember, the Bills went in and absolutely killed them. Yeah, the times he was defensive coordinator was Chicago, San Francisco, Houston, Indy, Carolina. So he's been defensive coordinator for multiple teams. All right, so here was one game where we um, – this was Josh Allen's first game against Vic Fangio in 2019. Granted, he was p- playing against Brandon Allen, but Josh Allen, 15-25, 185 yards, two touchdowns, one pick, nine rushes for 56 yards. And then Joe, you mentioned we played him again COVID year 2020 – and this box score is going to be a lot more uh, juicy. I know that. Just I remember from watching the game. But let's see. Josh Allen. Yeah, 28 of 40, 359, two touchdowns, <laughs> no picks, and three rushing attempts for 33 yards and two touchdowns with a long of 24. So what is that? That's two, four, six, six total touchdowns, one turnover. Yeah. I'm not too worried about the Dolphins bringing in Vic Fangio. Josh Allen's had his uh, had his way. Even 2019, Josh Allen, before he turned Super Saiyan, had his way with Vic Fangio's defense. I believe we won that 2019 game 20 to three or something. So yeah, yeah. Kamehameha. That's before that happened. As That's I'm right. watching, as I'm watching this, <laughs> as Andy Reid is going Super Saiyan, like as you as you said that that had happened. <laughs> oh my God. No, but <coughs> bless uh, you. Oh, Tanner died. There you go. <laughs> All I'll say is, Vic Fangio, you got your work cut out for you, my friend. Now, one of the things I saw that kind of ir- enraged me, and we're back on, oh, you boy. know, Bills. Um, Colin Coward, you know, great guy that he is, you know, <laughs> in the business a long time. He released his uh, top 10 QBs heading into next season. Number one, he had Patrick Mahomes. Okay. Number two, he had Joe Burrow. Okay. Number three, he had Trevor Lawrence. No. Number four, he had Justin Herbert. No. Uh, um, he, he should be four, but there should be someone else at three before him. Josh Allen is number five. That's... Switch Allen and Lawrence. That's yeah. what I would Jalen Hurts is number six. You got to keep the AFC and NFC separate. Matthew Stafford, seven. Really? Aaron hmm. Rodgers is eight. Oh, my God. Lamar Jackson is nine. Matt Stafford's got back injuries of a 90-year-old, and you have him that high? Wait, wait, wait. Can you guess who the number 10 guy is? Deshaun Watson. No. Russell Wilson. No. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Who haven't you said? Bustin Fields. No. Uh. Close. Matt Ryan? No. 
close. Close to Tanner. M- Mitch be... Trubisky? No. Kenny Pickett? No. Must be a young quarterback. Let's see. Well, well, I, I didn't say close in age. I said close in... You're in the general... Kyler Murray? No. Lamar Jackson? I yeah, already said, said him. Um... Who's close to Justin Fields? Who's close in, to Justin Fields? And in what terms? Like, Yeah, what do you mean close? Uh, Skill-wise? Team, division, somewhere along those Malik lines. Willis? What? He's not in the division, what? but... What? Dude, Is I'm just throwing... Captain Kirk? No, Captain Kirk, no. Uh, Kirk Cousins? <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> close again. Oh, who's the other? Jared Goof? Is it Jared Goff? Goof! Jared Goff is number 10 on Colin Cowherd's top 10 list of QBs heading into next season. I actually don't hate that. Jared Goff. I don't hate Jared Goff. I don't hate Jared Goff, but I do not think he's top 10. I think he's 10. He's definitely top 15 material. I would say he's 11, if not 10. I think you could make the argument he had a top 10 season last year. And frankly, honestly, I don't see any reason why he couldn't replicate that. I mean, you look at the pass catchers they have on offense with, you know, Amon Ra, the Sun God, yeah. St. Brown, you know, Jamison Williams, who's only going to continue to get better. They may yeah. lose Chark, but. Kamehameha. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you look at it, though. You're right, Tanner. They played, they were one of the highest scoring offenses. They broke records with Jared Goff. You know what I mean? And Goff, he was, you know, he was solid. Completed sixty-five percent of his passes, forty-four hundred passing yards, which was, you know, two hundred shy of his career high. Yeah, uh, twenty-nine passing touchdowns, which was a career high. Seven interceptions, which was tied for a career low. So Goff had one of the best seasons of his career this year. Yeah, I. The and one I think thing... people would have said that during his time in L.A. that he was probably flirting with top ten. He so. went to the Super Bowl. Yeah. So I mean, it, it you can't you can't knock him. He's a system quarterback. That's the difference, I would say. Right. Yeah. Where these other guys are standouts, like do it on your own. I don't need a system. Jared Goff in a good system is a quarterback like that, right? But out of a good system, he's he's not. But that shouldn't be. He played very well. There's no question about that. And he's not even the biggest problem I have. I would have him at like 10 or 11. You know what I mean? Like just based off of play from last season. Mm-hmm. Jalen Hurt. Th- this is why you keep the NFC and the AFC separate when you do power rankings, right? Because where do you fit Jalen Hurts between Mahomes, Allen, Burrow? You know what I, I think mean? he's better than Lawrence. I would. Well, I, I would have him above I, Lawrence as well, but yeah. here's like Herbert is Lawrence where is that just gets way too high. Herbert's where it gets sketchy for me with that. You know what I mean? Because. Herbert, if you're looking just at... I think Herbert's more that he has the talent. It, it's whether or not that he can work... That's what I was just going to say. Talent level-wise, right. if we're going talent level by quarterback... Right. Hertz has a, he had one of the best rosters in all of football this season. Right. Right? Like, that, that plays into it for me. But at the same time, it should be Mahomes... I'll give Joe Burrow. I don't like that because people are putting him above Allen after one game they've played right. against each other. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. Like, it's no, just I like, it, it's, it's, yeah, to me, it's just, it's, you don't have a sample size to really no. gauge. And the Bills played awful that game. Like, the team, they. Well, the only argument for Burrow is that he's at, he's been at a Super Bowl and now and has not. Okay, you made a Cinderella run against teams who basically folded against you. Right. You know what I mean? Patrick Mahomes closed his eyes and threw in a double coverage in the AFC Championship game in overtime. You know what I mean? Like, that, that, let's just be honest. But. I'm not going to take the Bengals down because I actually don't mind them when they're not trash talking. I like Joe Burrow. But, okay, so you have Mahomes, Burrow, 
Allen should be three, if not two, right? With him and Burrow could be interchangeable wherever you have them on your list. Then you have Hertz, then Herbert, then um, Lawrence, in my opinion, right? Then I'd have Lamar after Lawrence just because he's injury prone. We haven't seen much of him, right? Not discounting it. He's a great quarterback. He's won an MVP. But who else? Who are the other two, Dan? Who are the other two? The other two in what? So I have Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, Hertz, Herbert, Lawrence. Uh, Stafford, Rodgers, Jackson. Oh, jeez. I forgot about Matt Stafford. When healthy, he is great. Yes, he's he's Jared Goff though. He's another system quarterback. Like that, they're interchangeable at number ten. And then I would have shoot. I would have Rodgers above Herbert, then move everyone else down one. So my final list would be Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, Rodgers, Herbert, Lawrence, Jackson. Uh, uh, you know what? Goff, Stafford. Am I missing anyone else in there? No. That's that's my final list right there. I think people just were so fast to hop on the Josh Allen hate train again. Yeah. That was like instantaneously. Everyone's like, last year at this time, he was undisputedly number two overall in the NFL. And I get it. Hasn't played well. But also, remember I mentioned that elbow injury, Dan, a couple weeks ago after the season ended? And then Rappaport on the rap sheet released a yeah. tweet saying that, he doesn't need surgery, but it's it's been a factor all right, season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's why you're not seeing those quick throws over the middle anymore. He can't zip them because he likes to throw those sidearm. And when you're UCL strain, you can't really do anything crazy. This was probably the most comfortable motion for him, just right over the top, and that was deep balls. So I think honestly, we give Dorsey a lot of crap, but I think a lot of it's an injury thing with Allen. Yeah, that's fair. Now, what would your guys's power rankings be around that? Quarterbacks, yeah, Quarterback like, like hit, rearrange his list. Like, what do you think? Like, mm, shoot, um, <laughs> Mahomes, I might have to Allen, Burrow. Dan's looking at it, so <laughs> Mahomes, <laughs> Allen, Allen. I I had to lift up my computer. That's why I'm kind of I I've been thrown off my rhythm. Um, Burrow, Hertz, Herbert. Aaron Rodgers, Stafford, Lamar Jackson, Trevor Lawrence, Jared Goff. Mm. I'm moving Lawrence all the way down to nine. I don't know. He played really well. I wouldn't put him that low. but It's a first year in a new system. I want to see a second year. Just eyeball or just uh, off the cuff, I'd like to sit down. I hate doing these things without doing the proper (laughs) research, but just based (laughs) off like the eye test, I'd say – Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Herbert, uh, number five, I would probably say Hertz, Lawrence, Rodgers, depending on the situation, though, because I like Aaron Rodgers, like, say if he's playing on the Jets a lot more than I like Aaron Rodgers playing on the Green Bay Packers at this point. Um... But I'll just say seven conservatively for him. Eight, probably Lamar Jackson. Nine. Jeez, oh, this is <laughs> man. This is so hard. 
Oh my goodness. Um I might I might throw a wrench in there and say maybe like Kirk Cousins cuz Cousins hey in the regular season Kirk Cousins balls out and he was good in the postseason too and then I'll just say Jared Goof at 10. We'll go two NFC North quarterbacks. Jared Goof. I love Jared it. Jared Goof. That's great. Uh I I got one last thing even though I can't get into it. I I want you guys to put yourselves in the position of a person, uh, a MLB batter, coming in at the ninth, uh, ninth inning and hearing a closer song. And, and there's a fight between these two, and I want to see which one would be more scary to you. So here's the first one. Ariana Rivera. Okay, that's the first one. I, I got to get the second one. So what me. are we doing right now? Pretend you're a batter going oh. into the night thing. Relief pitcher comes out. You okay. hear one of the so songs. That's Mariano Rivera, so I'd poop my pants. Yep. And then, <laughs> and then this one. Oh, my. This song's goaded. I poop my pants on that one, too. I mean, Jerry Seinfeld is a big Mets so fan. Easy. And he he blames the Mets' downfall this season on the live performance of that song. He's like, I blame it on the stupid trumpet performance. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Why are you doing that? Come on. Yeah, that was Edwin <laughs> Diaz's uh, theme song. But, yeah. Tanner, which one would you virtually, if you heard one of those two, which one would you feel like more scared of or feared of? Oh, definitely Enter Sandman. I mean, that's Metallica. Thank Come you. on, man. Okay, thank you. Because there's a fight going between those two now, Mariano, uh, Mariano Rivera and Edwin Diaz on who has the best song. Uh, I'll, I'll talk more MLB next show, but that's going to do it for us on this episode. Thank you for listening, Blitz. Uh, Tara, sh- shout out your sh- socials. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at TJ Saunders 2000 and on Instagram at Tanner underscore Saunders 2000. Joe? Well, due to my Jerry Seinfeld impression, you can find me at the Buffalonian on Twitter and at Joe Kelly on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is, that's a really good impression, buddy. <laughs> uh, that, that's, I want to hear that during the whole Sabres After Dark tonight. Of course. The Blitz Overtime starts at 9.45 tonight. Uh Savers versus the Anaheim Ducks will be, all four of us will be here for, of course. And you can find me on Twitter at double underscore D, capital W-B-N-Y. We will see you next time.